I mean, it might sound kind of cliche, but you got to have patience. I mean, this is not going to happen overnight at all. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, can I just do it um, on the side, you know, while I'm at work, you know, with two kids. And it's like, no, you need to focus and you need to put everything you have. You just heard my friend Thais talking about making the leap from being a corporate employee to a location independent digital This is the first in a series of Digital Nomad interviews. What's going on? This is Doug Cunnington. This is The Doug Show. And I want to thank Thais a lot for joining me in this episode. We originally recorded this for a YouTube interview. So if you hear any uh, sort of references to uh, this video or anything like that, that is the reason why. I encourage you to check out Thais's blog over at Together to wherever.com. I'll put a link in the show notes and also put a link to her Instagram, which is fantastic. I follow, uh, I follow her there and there's always cool stuff. There's a lot of food, um, on her Instagram, which I enjoy and a lot of travel photos. Thais and I cover a lot of ground in this interview. And one of the things that she talks about is moving to Chiang Mai, Thailand, which I've never been, but I hear it's pretty warm which makes me smile right now because in Bozeman, Montana right now, it's like negative uh, 13 or something like that. It's a little bit of a cold snap. I mean, it gets cold here sometimes, but I'm looking out the window at the snow that I shoveled over the last couple of days. And I mean, there's a pile in my front yard that like goes up to my belly button or may- maybe a little higher. It could go up to my nipples. I'm not sure. It's very high in certain areas and it's just cold. I mean, I have to put boots on my dog. And Georgie, the border collie, she doesn't really like to wear the boots. In fact, it's pretty hilarious. Uh, You put one boot on her, there's like multiple straps. I don't know how comfortable they are. Uh, You know, dogs usually don't wear shoes. So I'm not sure like the shape, if it's like proper, if, if the toe box fits her toes properly or whatever. But if you put like one boot on, she like lifts it up lifts the, uh, the leg up and then she acts like she can't move. And of course, as soon as I put all the boots on and we go outside, she's having a blast, you know, running around playing, everything's fine. But that first boot while we're inside, she's just, she is not into it. So anyway, without further ado, I'm going to send it over to the interview and, uh, thanks again to Thais for joining me. Be sure to check out her Instagram and her blog. Hey, what's up? Doug Cunnington here from Niche Site Project, and I'm sitting with my new friend, Thais. How are you today? Hey, how's it going? I'm good. Doing really well. And this is part of the Digital Nomad Location Independent Series, and a lot of people have no clue who you are, Thais. So can you give me a little bit of an introduction of you know what you're doing now, what you used to do, and you know how, how you're a digital nomad slash location independent person? Sure. So going back uh, about three years ago, almost exactly, I was in the hotel industry. My um, degree is actually in marketing, but somehow I ended up just working at hotels and working my way up uh, to management and did that for about 12 to 15 years-ish. And then we decided to move to Thailand and start our digital nomad lifestyle. First, I didn't know where that would take me. But fast forward to today, I run a blog called Together in Thailand, Together to Wherever. (laughs) Used to be called Together in Thailand, changed it. Work on that and uh, other little tidbits of stuff here and there online. Very cool. Very cool. And to sort of bring it sort of like full circle, a lot of people do know Rob Atkinson, a good friend of mine. We've been business partners and various things. So you know Rob a little bit, right? How do you know Rob? I know Rob. He's my husband. <laughs> okay. Cool. So We've been yeah, married three years. Uh, how long? Three years now. Three. Cool. So if I remember the timeline right, um, so you moved about three years ago uh, to Thailand. You got married about three years ago. So yeah. tell me about like the conversations, like in your life with your family, other people, where you were telling <laughs> them, "Hey, we're getting married," and also we're moving across the country. And it sounds like you quit your job. So. What was going on on a personal level there? Yeah, it was just kind of like um, doing it slowly was the key. You know, you don't want to drop everything on everybody at the same time. It's also a lot for yourself to kind of process, too. So 
it was a lot of just me and Rob talking it over, talking through everything that could, you know, possibly go wrong or come up or whatever, things like that. And of course, our parents were the first ones, you know, we talked to and get advice from. And probably the first conversation was getting married. <laughs> right. That was all exciting. And we wanted to have a small wedding because we knew in the back of our minds that we were going to start this new life and it was going to take some uh, financial background and all that to, to, get, to get it going. So that was the first step. Um, once everything, as far as that was planned out, then came moving to Thailand and discussing that with our parents and the rest of our family and then working out a plan to talk to our bosses and basically give our notices for our job. So Sure. And yeah. a lot of people like really hate their jobs. <laughs> Not everyone, but a lot of people really hate their jobs. So were you in a position where you really hated it or you just needed a change or how, how did you view your job? Actually, no, I, I enjoyed my job. There was definitely, as with every job, a lot of stresses and being a hotel ma manager, basically, I dealt with customer service and dealing with people. And that side of it was the fun part, but it was also the very, very stressful part. No, I, I really enjoyed and I had plans to grow in my career and become like regional manager and do other sides of the hotel industry. So it, it was not that at all. It was just talking through with Rob and realizing the potential that this life could could give us. It was definitely worth taking the risk. And I think in the back of my mind, I always knew having had the experience of moving to different cities and stuff like that and being able to find a job in the hotel industry. I knew that that industry was always looking for people and that with my experience, I could always go back if it came to that. So. Gotcha. And that, I think um, I've talked to a few people in this similar position and it's very scary before you leave, but you can almost always go back to where you were. I mean, it depends on the industry, of course, but you could almost always go back to where you were. And at the very least, you have like rich life experience where you tried something, it was uncomfortable. You probably met some cool people. So yeah, I think if people could take that away, that's that's pretty good. Now, yeah, and I, I'd oh, like to add that I did have like a really good relationship with my boss. Um, I was able to talk to her openly. It was a little bit still nerve wracking going up to her. And I remember the shock, like, what, what do you mean? Because when I told her, okay, I'm going to put in my notice, but I gave plenty of time. And then she thought, I think in the back of her mind that I was going to another job, another hotel. And <laughs> when I said, I'm moving to Thailand, it was just kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we talked about it a little bit, and she was very excited for me. Very interesting. Now, how did you pick Thailand? We had gone to Thailand just on a two-week vacation previ the previous year, yes. And we really enjoyed it. We lo loved the cost-effectiveness. And throughout this whole time that Rob was actually starting to do what he was doing as kind of a side thing from his job. He was also reading a lot of blogs about people that had moved there. Um, of course, trying to inspire me because I was the hesitant one at, at, at first, you know, and he was like, look, look at this couple, you know, uh, this is their blog. This is what they're doing. This is what they're saying. And I would read and watch a lot of YouTube videos. I'm visual. I need to know what, what I'm getting into. So that kind of helped ease into it a little bit before we went. Gotcha. I know Rob was working on affiliate marketing. And by the way, there's a whole other interview with Rob and actually several other videos that I have with Rob. So if you are interested in that portion of it, viewers, you can watch those. I'll link to them below. But when you moved, Rob was ramping stuff up and you were unsure of what you were going to do, right? Or, or were you sure what you were going to do? No, not at all. I just okay. figured, okay, I'm going to support you in this. Do whatever you need me to. I'll help you out because I know that, you know, it's a lot of stuff that you have to do initially. So whatever the grunt work is, I'm willing to help you out in that. But I had no idea for myself what I was going to do. Gotcha. So from that perspective, like 
how hard was it to shift from, you know, a corporate job in hospitality where it's often quite busy? I mean, I haven't worked in hospitality in a while, but there's a lot of churn with employees. Um, Oftentimes you have to fill in shifts, I'm sure, especially as a manager, you have to fill in for your whole team. So going from like very structured, very busy to you can do whatever you want. You were kind of on vacation, you know, permanent vacation. So what was that like? Walk me through like what was going through your head. There was that initial excitement, right? When you get there and setting up and, you know, this whole new life and new place and discovering things. But to be honest, I think after the second week, it it just hit me because I wasn't used to that long of a time without having to get a phone call, you know, can you come in or this person didn't show up or this customer is angry about this. <laughs> so it kind of gave me a little bit of anxiety, like, am I missing out on the world? Am I missing out on what's happening in this? I'm just in this bubble and I don't know what's going on. What should I be doing something? (laughs) So yeah, it it was kind of anxiety and a little bit of depression because it's like, you're so removed from everything that you know, and everyone that you know, and the excitement from the beginning of settling in and being in this new environment kind of starts kind of easing down. So it it was, it was kind of hard at first. I bet. And do you, Go like sort of rewinding, like, do you have a big family, like a family locally where you like spend a lot of time with them before you left and stuff? Well, I have my parents and my siblings, brother and sister here, some uncles and whatnot. And we do tend to get together a lot, like weekends, different events. So yeah, there's always something going on with either family or friends. So not being a part of that was right. kind of weird as well. <laughs> yeah, that's tough, especially, you know, moving to a new city just in general is you know, you have to have a whole other set of friends to try and like develop relationships with. And I imagine, yeah, I can see how it's super exciting. And then you're like, oh, where's everyone that I normally hang out with? And then the the time zone difference is probably a little difficult to actually like, you can't call them in the middle of the day. It's what's the time zone difference? Like 12 hours, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like 15 hours. <laughs> yeah. So just about as tough as you can get there, I guess. How did you cope? with that like early depression after a few weeks? I think just starting to learn stuff, you know, okay, fine. We're not on vacation and we've settled in. Now, what are you doing, Rob? You know, show me the stuff. Like just taking an interest in that, um, reading every blog post and watching every YouTube about different affiliate types of marketing that you do online and learning it. And once I started picking it up, I said, okay, well, why don't I make a site for myself? And it was just kind of a fun, let me keep myself busy, stop thinking about, you know, being away from friends and family kind of thing. But I actually got really interested in it and um, followed through with it. And I put my first site up. Cool, cool. And how I mean, I remember putting up my first site, like setting everything up, big learning curve, everything's exciting. So how did it go for you in the first little stretch there? It was cool. It was really cool to see it just be there. I have something on the internet. I never had that before. Right. (laughs) Then came like, you know, writing all the content. And of course, you know, the budget is tight. So we didn't have like VAs and people like outsourcing and things like that. So I was doing a lot of the research, became very knowledgeable in in the niche that I had (laughs) picked, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And I'm a creative person. So I thrive on something like that creating something that I could say, look, I made this and being able to see it. Now, at at first, of course, we all know it takes some time for those keywords and for Google and everything to kind of get going. (laughs) So it was like, okay, let me just keep working on it and see what happens. And it was after, yeah, a few months that like started seeing some visitors, started seeing a few pennies here and there from Amazon sales. So it was exciting. Very cool. Very cool. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit to, I guess, more of the logistics of moving um, and the logistics of even like doing like that sort of travel. So I haven't done any of that. I haven't been to Southeast Asia in actually not at all. I've been to the Philippines, but I haven't been to Southeast Asia at all. So can you tell me about like any things you have to deal with? Like I wonder about visas and like how long you could stay because you were moving for a pretty long time. So I don't even know what to do. 
Yeah. So of course, you know, just the fact you, you don't realize how much stuff you have here and what you're going to do with all of it (laughs) and, you know, getting rid of it and downsizing and figuring out where to store things, working out, out all those logistics. You, you have to start like at least six months in advance because it takes a long time. But for us, it was like, okay, we don't know. Let's try this for three months. We knew we could go on a tourist visa and extend it and stay three months. Actually, what we ended up doing was sending it to six months by leaving, coming back and coming in as tourists again into Thailand on a tourist visa that first time. And then we have a cat too. So it was like, okay, what do we do with our cat? And we knew that we could bring him, but we weren't even sure what was going to happen with us. So we didn't want to go through all that and have to move him back after a month or something like that. So fortunately, our, my parents, took care of him while we were gone. And yeah, uh, we just went in as tourists initially. Cool. And for to, <coughs> to go in on a tourist visa, is it just like a simple application that you have to fill out? Or is there any sort of like long period in which like you have to plan ahead, I guess? We did have to plan ahead, but it, it's not a very long process. Fortunately, the embassy is in LA and we're in Northern California. So that was a quick little trip, weekend trip for us to go to get that visa. And it was just easy, easy application. I think after a couple of days, we were able to go pick it up. And that was that. Okay, cool. And then you said you would stay for like 90 days and then you would need to leave. So when you left... Like, do you have to go back to the U.S. or what, what do you have to do? No, we actually uh, used that, that time, that opportunity to go visit Cambodia and Vietnam. So we did, I think it was a total of three weeks. Um, we went to different parts of Vietnam and Siem Reap in Cambodia. Cool. So you can just use it as like a vacation within like a vacation, even though you, I know it wasn't quite yeah. a vacation. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, and cool. So you in could, Southeast Asia, it's very cheap to fly around anyway. So that was good. It was within our budget. Cool. So, and can you like do that indefinitely? Just stay for 90 days, travel outside the country and come back? A lot of people do, but I think, you know, once the immigration officers start seeing this pattern, they could potentially like, you know, catch on to what you're doing and stop that. You don't really want to abuse it. Gotcha. So how many times did you guys do that then? Just curious. Just the one time just to, yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And like I said, I just haven't done any, I mean, I was asking the most basic questions. So you, you just fill out an application. You can go over there for a little while. So that's cool. And um, just I just remembered, we actually made a funny rookie mistake. We didn't realize the, the expiration on the visa and our passport meant we had to like go out of the country and come back within that time. We, we did a, a border run to Laos thinking we can come back and stay another three months or two months, 60 days, I think it was. And when we tried to come back through the border, the immigration officer said, no, this visa is expired. But fortunately, we were still able to get in on a 30-day regular tourist um, visa. But that kind of got us to you know have to shift our schedule a little bit because we only had 30 days now and we had to get out. <laughs> right. Interesting. I kind of, I remember when that happened. (laughs) Actually, I remember Rob telling me about that. So were there any like cultural surprises um, after you moved there? I know you visited Chiang Mai for a few weeks the previous year, but like actually living there, what was it like? We had only been, we'd been to Thailand for a couple of weeks, but Chiang Mai was like three days. So it still felt like a place we hadn't really been. We had just done, I think, elephants or whatever (laughs) on our visit. In Southeast Asia, just generally like service is the biggest thing that I can think of being different as far as coming from the service industry, you know, working in a hotel and having to answer to people quickly and get things to them and whatnot. And then, you know, you go to a restaurant in Thailand and you're just looking around. Nobody's greeting you. (laughs) Nobody's saying, hey, how many people come? Where do you want to sit? You're just kind of do your own thing. And then eventually you figure out, okay, this is just the style of how they do things here. And when you're ready to order, you call them to order and things aren't as like, let's go, let's go. You know, what can I do for you? Cause it doesn't work the same way as like in the U S where they're working for a tip. So that kind of incentive isn't there. 
that was a kind of a culture shock. And then while they do speak pretty good English, especially in like kind of the touristy area that we lived in, and there's, there's a lot of foreigners and expats that live there, some things were just like so difficult. I remember Rob wanted to order soda water and, you know, he's like, soda water. And it was just not calculating like, wait, do you want water? Or do you want soda? And he was like, soda water. <laughs> it took us like the longest time to realize that they refer to it as soda. But then when you say soda, you have to say it with a Thai accent. So if you just say soda, they're like, huh? So you say soda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, okay. Huh. So a simple thing like that sometimes could be kind of a struggle. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Now, after some time, you started your travel blog, right? So can you tell me, tell me about that a little bit? That was actually just a fun way to tell our family and friends what we're up to um, initially because I'd never done anything like that and just started it and the writing was terrible. I mean, I look at some of the stuff and I was like, what am I doing here? It was more <laughs> like a journal entry or whatever. Yeah. And, but it was kind of cool to look back at it. And it was called Together in Thailand because it was just what we were doing at the time. Then we ended up moving to, after we realized we had to leave Thailand, we decided, hey, why not go spend a couple of months in Bali? And at that point, I was also helping Rob with his his sites. But I kind of started getting more serious about my blog. Then we moved back to the U.S. and, of course, you know, went to work part-time. Uh, we were here. We ended up staying longer because Rob's brother was getting married. So we decided to stay and, and do that before we went back. And kind of let go of the whole blog thing and kind of ease back into living back in the U.S. and that whole lifestyle again. And it wasn't until we moved back to Thailand that I said, okay, no, I really need to take this seriously and get it going. And um, worked a lot on pumping out the content, changed the brand to be a little bit more global and a little bit more about just the lifestyle and living as expats in different um, countries uh, and comparing them rather than travel and adventure and things like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the how long were you back in the U.S. for that stretch? It was nine months. Nine months. Okay. Yeah. And then you went back out. You went back to Thailand? Yeah. Okay. And then in that, at that point, that's where you're like, okay, I'm going to treat it more seriously and take it from there. So what stuff, I guess, did you learn about developing together to wherever, right? Is that, is that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What did you learn uh, working on niche sites and affiliate marketing stuff that you brought over to, you know, a more brandable, like travel lifestyle type blog? Um, one of the biggest things was realizing the the power of uh, links. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point, we, we were being a lot more social than when we had initially moved to Thailand because our budget was tight and we didn't want to have friends and be committed to spending a lot of time and money, you know, out. So we were, you know, getting out there, socializing more. I met a lot of bloggers, big bloggers that I had been following, travel blogs, and got a lot of connections through them. Being able to write uh, guest posts for them was a big thing. Getting into Facebook groups, also getting suggestions. I started to take a course as well, um, travel blog success, and getting a lot of information from there. So that was all happening at the same time, yeah. Gotcha. And then I guess, where do you see the blog going? Like what's sort of your goal for, cause I don't, I have an internet marketing blog, so I sell products and stuff. So what is your sort of vision? Like, where do you want that brand to go? Sure. Like I said, my, once I rebranded to together to wherever, um, I really just wanted to at one point be like for digital nomads like us to be able to go and see what it's like to live somewhere for, you know, a month, three months, six months, two years, whatever it is. And if they've lived somewhere else, being able to compare it. So, for instance, currently we've lived in Bali and Thailand. So I made a comparison blog um, about those two places. So people could get information through my site potentially on where they want to go, how they can set up, uh, what it's going to be like food wise, internet wise, and all that important stuff. Interesting. Well, actually, that's a great topic. Can you share 
maybe some tips on like setting up like your first few weeks on the ground in, let's say, you know, Chiang Mai, like how would you approach it um, at home before you leave? And then as you get there, if you could just walk us through like high level, you know. Yeah, sure. One thing to note with Thailand, it's like not much you could do to prepare uh, ahead of time. You just kind of, it's a lot easier once you're there. You can start emailing if you see properties online, uh, apartments and whatnot. You can email property managers and maybe make some appointments if you wanted to. That's what we had done the first time we went there. But basically, you know, thank goodness that places are cheap to stay. So you can just initially just stay at a at a little hotel or even a hostel or whatnot, depending on your style, and just go explore. Sometimes you can see signs in, in especially the expat areas for apartment rentals and things like that. Of course, the first thing is, where am I going to live? What am I going to eat? And internet. Right. <laughs> and with Southeast Asia, especially Thailand, uh, you can find internet, luckily, at every cafe for a price of some coffee. You can sit there and look online and start chatting with you know, whoever you need to, to set up appointments and things sure. like that. And for phones, it's actually really easy. You just go into the malls and they have little stalls of cell phones where they sell cell phones and, and SIM cards and getting all that set up is super easy and quick. Cool. And like, just as a benchmark, you said it's pretty cheap to just stay at a hotel. So let's say like an average ish, like holiday in style hotel where it's like, you know, not a hostel, a little bit better, but not super premium. Like what would that cost you a night? $20, $25, something okay. like that. Yeah. Super reasonable. Like around here, that's probably, you know, between 80, yeah, <laughs> 80 to like 120 bucks, depending on like what you're yeah. dealing with. If you're in a bigger city in the U S it's probably 200 bucks a night, something like yeah. that. Yeah, totally. So. And funny thing, like we initially, like we had phones that were contracts and whatnot. So my recommendation would be to have an unlocked phone when you go, because that way you can throw in any SIM. No worries on that. So we ended up buying these cheap old Nokia phones <laughs> just because we wanted something to, you know, have to talk to each other in case we got lost somewhere. But, you know, it was hard getting around um, not having data to be able to use Google Maps and things like that. Yeah, no kidding. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. um, I was... Uh, I'll just tell a quick story about myself. I was camping with some friends and we were, we were completely off the grid. We were kind of like in a valley. So no one got cell phone service. So we took hours to like find each other because like we gave directions to these people who were driving in. And then of course they got lost a little bit and uh, they couldn't get in touch with us. So we had to drive up to where we got a signal, which was a few miles away and then call them and tell them where we were at, which of course they couldn't find it again. They like drove past our <laughs> campsite again, speeding, you know, speeding down the hill um, oh, and they couldn't see us. So anyway, it's much different. It's like the dark ages if you don't have a cell, cell phone. Yeah, totally. And, you know, right now um, they have their own version of Uber, which is grab there, which is super easy because obviously you don't have to actually talk to anybody, but back then in our time, <laughs> we had to um, try to get the communicate to the tuk-tuk driver where we wanted to go and didn't realize that they generally just know like landmarks, you know, temples and things like that. They're not going to be able to take you to an address. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So how did you deal with that? So like if you had to get to your apartment or whatever, you just had to tell them like, go to this big landmark and then give exactly. directions from there. Like if there was a big shopping center or a big cafe or a big store or something like that, especially if you knew the temple. So we, we had, you know, paper maps and we, we tried to show them on the map, but they weren't that great most of the time with reading maps. So it was just kind of like trial and error and some walking even, you know? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Interesting. So, any any other tips for like people like on the ground, anything else in Chiang Mai specifically, like after they get there? You know, you just got to be flexible and go with the flow. That's my biggest tip. If you if you're rigid and have expectations, you're going to have a hard time. So just be ready for some setbacks and being able to like shift your mind a little bit when you need to. Cool. Makes sense. Now, 
contrasting with, with Bali, I know there are sort of location independent people in, in both places. Like, did you sort of connect personally to, to one over the other or anything like that? Um, I, I mean, not, not like as far as not working with other people. Cause again, like we weren't really doing a lot of socializing and things like that, but uh, are you asking like about how the lifestyle was in each country compared to each other? Yeah. Or, or whatever. Like if you liked one over the other for any reason. I mean, I love the beaches. <laughs> that was the nice part. Like Bali for sure. Cause in Chiang Mai, you're up in the mountains and you know, people think Thailand, Oh, always these white sand beaches and blue waters, but that's sure. not the case when you're up in the North. So being in Bali, it, it gave us that life. And it was nice every day after we worked, we would go out and do a run on the beach. That, that was nice. But the internet, not so good. Not internet is much okay. better in Chiang Mai. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So was it like just slower or just like not reliable? Slower. Yeah. Way okay. slower. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Bozeman, Montana, and the internet's fine here, right? It's in the U.S. Like, there's a university here. There's an internet backbone here, but it it's it was only this year that I was able to get fiber to the house. Uploading YouTube videos, that's a lot of bandwidth. Like, it was a major issue up until a few months ago because, like, to upload HD would take, like, days. But now I could upload, like, a modern, you know, person. <laughs> so that would be very <laughs> tough in Bali, I, I guess. Like, is yeah. there is there any option to get fast internet? It's just very expensive or not available? It's It just wasn't really available, um, especially in the locations. Now, I've heard that like parts um, like Kangoo, you're able to get better workspaces as well. That was another thing, like co-working space. We had to drive like 20, 25 minutes on a motorbike to get to the one that we could find there um, at the time. And even there, the internet wasn't that great. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, shifting gears a bit from, I guess, like the lifestyle portion. I know you also have like a pretty like hefty Instagram following and I'm really bad at social. I actively say it on like Facebook and other stuff. Instagram's a little better uh, just because I haven't been as inundated and distracted. And there's a lot of puppies on there and stuff. So I'll watch a lot of puppy videos. Uh, Instagram, but <laughs> what, what tips actually, can you just tell me about like your Instagram following and sort of like how you started that out? Yeah, it was like, I didn't even really, I wasn't on Instagram before the blog or anything like that, but I figured, okay, everybody who has a blog has an Instagram, so I should have one. But it turns out like now it all makes sense to me because initially when I were, I would go on vacations, I would come back print tons of photos, make photo albums, scrapbooks and things like that. So of course it's like, that's my thing. <laughs> how did yeah. I not know that? And then I started like obviously reading a lot of, about how to grow it and what to do. And it's, it comes down to a lot of your time and effort and interacting with people. That's the biggest thing. Of course you want to have great content, but whenever people comment, you want to comment back. You want to be very personal on there. I mean, People write things to me and I, I go into great detail sometimes if they have a question on what they should do. And I say, okay, let me know if you have any other questions to follow up. So you, you got to get very personal. That's, that's huge. And then I eventually got a better camera. So I was able to really, you know, showcase and work on my photography. And I had never taken any photography class or anything like that. But on Instagram, you do see that things do have to be kind of perfect. You know, that's the media that it, it, that it's, it is what it is. Sure. So, which is fine being creative person. That's the kind of stuff I like. And I always look and people think like, Oh, does that take away from your experience at a place when you're traveling to take, you know, videos and photos. And to me, that's part of the part of the experience for me. That's actually what enhances it because I feel like I'm more present and paying attention more because I'm looking for details and things like that, that I want to show and convey to my Instagram followers. Right. So interesting that that makes sense, especially with the personal interaction, like, you know, you're dealing with individuals who are looking on their phone. So it makes total sense to interact personally with them when you, this is a dumb technical question. Um, so you got a new camera so you, you shoot the, you know, the videos or the, the photos, and then 
do you have, can you upload like on the Instagram website to your channel or do you have to like put it on your phone and then upload it from there? Instagram is, is an app that works on your phone. You can see uh, pictures on the desktop and whatnot, but you do have to have the photos and videos on your phone to be able to upload them to your channel. Yeah. Got it. So you would have to take a picture on your camera and then transfer it to your phone and then upload it from there. Yeah. And nowadays, like cameras, you know, phones and whatnot, they all have Bluetooth connection. It's easy to grab the pictures. You don't have to fuddle around with, you know, discs and things like that. Got it. Yeah, I actually, I haven't done that, but I guess, yeah, my phone and camera actually can talk to each other, but I just never tried it. Interesting. Yeah, that's good. Good tip. Like I said, dumb question. I obviously don't do that. So cool. And as a reference point, how many Instagram followers do you have? At this point, I think I'm at 30,500 almost. Awesome. That, yeah, that sounds like a lot. I'm so good work. Three years. So, yeah. And, and those, yeah. yeah, very impressive. I have, I mean, I'm not trying to grow an Instagram following, but it's like a hundred people. It's not even like all the people I know. <laughs> so, obviously, I'm not trying much. So, shifting again over to sort of the productivity space. So, Obviously, being in, you know, an apartment potentially where, you know, you don't have all your stuff and then having the ability to work at a few different places. Like, how did you shape your like your work day and your work week? You learn to be efficient because you have to be like you just don't have a lot of choice, like having an apartment, being able to have your stuff all around and kind of do things as you you want is different than when you're a nomad and you're like traveling and you have to keep in mind how much time you have where and a lot of times you know you just have basically you're living out of your suitcase you you learn to have the essentials for what you need to do and you need you learn to make the best of whatever you have and make it work and then like you said timing wise you know scheduling your days having like uh, an overall like monthly you know schedule and then kind of watering that down to, okay, what, what am I doing daily is key. Otherwise you're just going to be lost because you're moving around. A lot of time is wasted in airports and just planning and things like that. Gotcha. And then were you good at that sort of planning beforehand where you would, you know, take a higher level look and, you know, plan out a month and then a week and then shape your days? Like you're not, and you're already pretty good at that. I think, uh, yeah, I think just because my personality, I'm a big planner, (laughs) which can kind of bite you in the behind too, if if you're not careful, like you can't kind of made me rigid for, to a point. So being with Rob, who is the kind of person like, okay, go with the flow, we'll make it work, kind of learn to find the balance. But yeah, being organized is one of the things I think that's one of, one of my strengths (laughs) that helps, um, so just bringing all of that into the new lifestyle was, was easier for me. Yeah. Cool. Did you have trouble sort of like focusing on like one specific project knowing that, you know, it seems like you had an Amazon affiliate site, you were helping Rob with some of his stuff you had together um, to wherever and so on. So did you have a hard time figuring out where to put your time? Yeah, I did. I knew at the beginning, like I wasn't that great at my blog and I I didn't have a vision for it and and it was kind of loose. So that kind of took the back burner. Um, It was always about focusing on Rob and, and helping him out wherever he needed the help. Once he started getting help and being able to like run his business with VAs and, and whatnot, um, then that gave me more time to focus on my blog. And that's when I actually decided to take it more seriously. And and now I'm realizing that I'm kind of back there again where, you know, I have some other projects going on, like, uh, my Instagram becoming big, I'm picking up some campaign options, you know, to be able to work on some campaigns for products and juggling that with writing because I'm still writing all my own content and then writing for other blogs, doing guest posts, um, collaborations and things like that. So, yeah, it, you really have to put down a schedule. It's not you would think like being a digital nomad is like everything's kind of like freestyle, <laughs> but 
it's still like if you want it to be a business and if you want to be successful, you still have to run it as a business. The best part of it is, though, that you're you're doing it for yourself and that's what feels good about it. So I, I hope that nobody would go into it thinking that, OK, I don't have a boss to tell me I have to do the schedule. But you kind of still have to have your own. <laughs> yeah, it's even well, it's even more important. And then like you're the person to blame, like you own it. So exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Are there any like, um, like travel slash productivity, like products or items where you're like, I got to have this while I'm traveling really essential to either work or just for your, you know, well-being while you're abroad. I cannot go anywhere without my GoPro. This is my life. And the funny thing is we visited China and we went you know, to all these amazing places like the Avatar Mountains, you know, Jiangjiajie uh. Mountains is what they're actually called. And then the Great Wall. And we lost the GoPro after all of that. So oh, oh, no. That, you know, having Instagram be my baby and my photos, you know, and I get a lot of great feedback from people, too, like even on my blog that they enjoy looking at the photos there and reading the content. It's a huge thing, though. So. Always have to have my my phone and my GoPro and a SIM card so that we can share our stories with everybody. <laughs> gotcha. And then what kind of, I don't have a GoPro, what kind do you have there? What are the specs and details and all that? This is the GoPro Hero 5 and they just came out with the 6. Not much different, I don't think, but yeah, I, I love it because it's small, it's light and it does everything I need it to do. Great videos. The only downside about the GoPro is, you know, low light. It's not that great. Okay. But I've thought about getting like a DSLR, kind of like fancier camera. But at the rate that we move sometimes, it's just too much, you know, having a big camera to lug around. And it's, this has worked out good for me. Awesome. Very cool. And let's see. couple rapid fire questions. So what purchase of $100 or less has had a great impact on your life in the last year or so? Getting a bigger memory card for my phone and backup battery. Oh, this has been lifesaver. I didn't know I needed it so bad until I got it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So and you, what, what kind of phone do you use? Uh, it's a Huawei Honor right now. Okay. A couple so you years could, old. You could, add, you could add memory to it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's like micro uh, SD cards micro or something. Micro SD card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So At yeah. the rate of taking pictures the way I do it, everything just fills up. So <laughs> yeah. You're using a battery life. Yes. Cheap stuff, but like probably relieved a lot of stress from you. So. Oh yeah. Huge. Second rapid fire is when you think of the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind and why? <laughs> it's Rob. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't lie. It's Rob. I mean, the how quickly he's kind of my hero. I look up to him and how quickly he is able to do what he's doing and where he's come from where we were. It's amazing. And I consider that success. You know, it's, it's not at all about money or having things or whatnot. It's just the growth to me. That's success. Very cool. You know, he'll be able to see this video. He'll know that you said that. <laughs> I tell him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Okay. We're, we're sort of wrapping up at this point. So if you could give advice for people who are thinking of sort of making the leap from a corporate job, sort of a safe, safe job and becoming location independent or becoming a digital nomad, any advice you can give them? I mean, it might sound kind of cliche, but you got to have patience. I mean, this is not going to happen overnight at all. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, can I just do it um, on the side, you know, while I'm at work, you know, with two kids? And it's like, no, you need to focus and you need to put everything you have into this. Nothing else can come close. You have to say no to your friends for a while, you know, going out, partying, you know, hanging out, that kind of stuff, even watching football games, you know takes a lot of hours of your day. So you have to prioritize and, and put that into it. There's going to be a lot that you put in and you won't see anything for a long time. So you just have to be patient with it. Good answer. Mm -hmm. All right, Thais, 
Where can people find you? My blog, which is together2wherever.com. And of course, my Instagram at together2wherever. Very cool. So I'll put links below so you can get to them. Please check out uh, both of those areas with Thais. And thanks again. Really great talking to you today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Occasionally, people ask me why I'm not traveling more, why my wife and I don't travel more, especially internationally, or do the, you know, quote, digital nomad thing. Well, there's a couple reasons for it. Number one, I think when we first started, I guess, kind of traveling a little bit, we had our corporate jobs. Now, we were extremely lucky, super, super lucky, because we were able to work remotely like 90% of the time, just in general. Like even when we lived back in Atlanta, we were able to work from home quite a lot. So it took us a little while, but we figured out that we could travel a little bit like domestic. Now, there were a few reasons for that. Number one, while we worked remotely, there was always a chance that we would maybe need to go into the office. As time progressed, we realized that that was extremely rare. But in the beginning, when we were working remotely, you know, it was possible that we would need to run into the office for, you know, some hardware laptop issue or something, or even like a client meeting or something like that. Like I said, as time passed, the likelihood of that happening was lower. So that that was one aspect. Additionally, we had, uh, I guess, time zone constraints. So if we, say, relocated to Europe or somewhere in Southeast Asia or whatever, it's likely that it would be incredibly inconvenient to wake up in the middle of the night and work um, or stay up late or whatever just to be working during the normal like U.S. business hours. So that was another aspect. But the big reason, I think probably the major reason, is um, we had a dog at the time. We have a dog now, a, a new dog named Georgie. But we had our old dog named Brody, and he was about 10 or 11, sort of an older dog, when we started traveling a little bit. And we love our dog. We didn't want to like leave him for a very long time. And we did have like the desire to travel, which I'll go on a tangent here just for a moment. When uh, Elizabeth and I, my wife and I were dating uh, one night over some drinks, I was like, oh, how many states have you been to? So we listed out all the states and tracked like which states that we had been to. Because at some point I realized I've been to like over 30 states and it was like very slowly over time. In fact, we didn't make the list until I was about 30 or so. But nevertheless, I, I realized that I've been to a ton of states and I was like, hey, it'd be cool to go to all 50 states. So we slowly whittled that down. And in 2015, I actually visited all 50 states. Idaho was the last one. That's another story for another day. But the point is, we, we did want to travel, but we, we were like, okay, maybe we could do this domestically because we could bring our dog with us and we could road trip it, we could drive everywhere. I can visit more states. Elizabeth can visit more states. She has two more to go, by the way, North Dakota and Alaska. Anyway, back to our story here. Elizabeth and I traveled domestically and that is sort of how we, you know, quote, did the location independent thing. So often what we would do is rent a house in a city like Austin, for example, or uh, I think there was some other, a few other cities where we, we rented homes, um, a couple in Montana before we moved up here. And basically we would like live like locals. We would work a normal work week or maybe, you know, I would try and do like four day weeks because it's always, um, it's always better to have a three day weekend, right? I mean, I think everyone would agree with that. So the excellent part was we got to bring our dog with us. We got to see the country. I went to, you know, a bunch of states. Elizabeth went to a bunch of states as well. And a little known fact, our dog Brody, he actually, when we mapped it out, to our knowledge, he went to, I think it was like 39 states or something like that, which is pretty crazy. And that, and I mean, I adopted him when he was uh, about five or so. So 
maybe he had a life of travel before I adopted him. But anyway, the point is we did this slow travel thing, which we really enjoyed. I like to have a home base. I like to have my, um, you know, stuff. And I, you know, I don't know if I would enjoy relocating all the time. Now, of course, you know, with some vacation time, that'd be cool. And, you know, we, we did travel some, but like internationally, but primarily when we had the luxury of, uh, you know, moving around and stuff, we traveled inside the U.S. Now, one of the flaws in that is we went to expensive cities, but it's because we wanted to see specific places for specific reasons. And um, we both had our corporate jobs and I was also doing my side gig stuff. So we were happy to spend a little bit more to rent a house and really like you know, make it our home for one month or six weeks or however long we were staying. And we really enjoyed Oh yeah. Another thing to add, I kind of forgot about it, but we actually did pet sitting and house sitting for some of our friends who did, you know, international and long-term travel. So we had a, a few friends that went to Australia on like a dive trip and they were gone for like a month. So we stayed at their house took care of their cat, watched over the house and stuff like that. And it wasn't um, like super far away, but it was a little bit out of town in the Atlanta area. And it was a pretty nice area. So we enjoyed staying there. We had some friends uh, annually. They would go to Hawaii for a couple weeks and we would house sit and dog sit as well. So we got like a little bit of practice doing some of this like slow travel and just being out of your like normal area. And like I said, we enjoyed it. And I almost forgot we had uh, some friends in the Denver area, which uh, we watched their house a couple times. Again, they were going on some long-term travel. We watched their dogs. We watched their house and basically had a free place to stay. So, I mean, that's an aspect that you could look at if you have the flexibility and, you know, maybe you're, you just need like a place to stay and you maybe, perhaps you like animals. So we obviously liked animals. And uh, our dogs were friends with uh, whoever we uh, were house sitting for. So it all worked out pretty well. But anyway, that's my sort of story on, you know, why I'm not a quote digital. I guess I like having my stuff and my uh, normal routine. And, you know, my dog Georgie is sitting at my feet right now. And I'm just like, I don't want to leave her behind anywhere. Very codependent in that way. Thanks for checking out this episode of The Doug Show. And thanks again to Thais. Be sure to check out her blog and Instagram. Keep your eyes open for the next episode, or I guess your ears open for the next episode when I interview Elise Dharma. She took her side hustle full time and she was a digital nomad while she was doing that as well. She's huge on Instagram and has a, a huge following. She's been able to take her skills as a social media like influencer and turn that into a multi six figure business. She's doing great. She's super smart. I really enjoyed doing this interview. So be sure to check it out. Now, if you're new to the Doug show, welcome. I'm glad you listened to it. Have a listen to a couple of the other episodes, and if you like it, please subscribe. In fact, if you just like it just a tiny bit, just subscribe anyway. There's going to be some cool Digital Nomad interviews coming up in the next couple weeks, so please check it out. And if you have listened to many episodes and you dig it, that's fantastic. Thank you for listening, of course. If you have a minute, go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. It'll be super helpful for me. It helps other people find this show and all that stuff. Or if you know someone who may be interested in this episode or other episodes or affiliate marketing or just listening to uh, me talk, let them know. Just tell them. Tell them verbally. Send them a text. Share the episode with them. Whatever mechanism, carrier pigeon, it doesn't really matter. Just let them know somehow. Anyone that will listen to you, let them know about the show. Really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks.